Welcome to Keeping It Candid, wedding photography unfiltered for photographers who want to keep it real. I'm your host, Sandra Henderson, international wedding and family photographer and an educator with a Marie Kondo-style approach to running a business. You know, keeping things simple and getting rid of anything that doesn't bring you joy. More importantly, I'm a strong Enneagram 3-wing 2 who is obsessed with tacos, and my love for traveling plus navigating chronic illness life are just two of the many things that drive my passion for all things systems, workflows, and beating burnout as a business owner. Join me twice a month for a candid, behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like working as a wedding photographer, where I'll give you actionable steps to take your business to the next level. Absolutely no fluff here, friends, so grab your favorite notebook and pen, and let's dive into this week's episode. Hey, friends. So the podcast went on an unexpected hiatus over the last few weeks, but I am happy to say that we are back. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I am super passionate about systems and workflows, and this unexpected hiatus is such a good example of why. I'll be honest, I don't have a single system in place for this podcast. It was something that I started doing just for fun earlier this year, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted the end goal to be. But the more I got into it, I just love it so, so much. I had originally planned on 12 episodes for my first season. Today's episode is episode 12, and I am happy to say this season isn't ending anytime soon. It feels like we're just getting started. I have at least a few more months worth of amazing interviews and topics to share with you all before then. So now that I have all these ideas and plans in place and the podcast is here to stay, more than ever, I need a system. Most importantly for writing and recording so that the next time I wake up with a fever and an unexpected virus that I caught at a wedding, my podcast can continue on just like I had planned. Without a system in place, it is literally a guarantee that I'll run into more occasions where I can't get an episode finished in time because of unexpected health problems. Cold season or not, that's just the life of someone with a chronic illness. Anyway, I've legit been so excited for today's topic, and I'm so glad that I'm finally able to share it with you. It's a little different than past episodes, but I've really been looking forward to diving into it. I'm going to be talking all about working within your energy cycles and how anyone that experiences a monthly hormonal cycle can use it to their advantage. Yep, that's right, friends. We're getting right into it today, talking about periods and hormones and all the things that come along with being a menstruator. First, though, I want to take a quick second to give a few important disclaimers. Throughout the episode, I'm going to be speaking from my own personal experience, which is that of a cisgender woman. I never want to pretend like I can speak to the experience of anyone else, but this topic applies to all menstruators alike. For my friends in the trans community, anyone who's non-binary or is premenopausal or doesn't get a period for any other reason, this episode is for you too. You're also going to hear me talk about quote-unquote average menstrual cycles, which are approximately 28 days long. Your cycle might look a little bit different, but I'll be sharing takeaways throughout this whole episode that you can apply no matter what an average month looks like for you. And lastly, though this cycle is directly related to menstruating, I'm going to refer to it as a hormonal cycle rather than a menstrual cycle. Yes, they are the same thing, but since your body can still go through a hormonal cycle without the physical act of menstruating, I find it to be better for clarity's sake to just call it a hormonal cycle. 
Take me, for example. I stopped getting regular periods back in 2020 because of the medications that I take to help manage my endometriosis symptoms. But nonetheless, each month my body's still going through its cycles. I'm still ovulating, and I still get a never-ending pile of symptoms to manage each month regardless of whether or not my body actually bleeds during that time. Now, if you're not familiar with my story, in 2020, after about 20-ish years of managing symptoms and three years of endless doctor's appointments, tests, and advocating for answers, I was finally diagnosed with stage 4 endometriosis. Endometriosis is an inflammatory disease that causes tissues similar to the lining of the uterus to grow in other areas of your body. As of last year, it has been found on every single organ within the human body, including the lungs, brain, and heart. It's widely believed to be a disease that just causes bad periods, but as you can see, it is far more complicated than that. Endo patients deal with an endless list of symptoms ranging from chronic pain to infertility and significantly heightened risks of things like cancer and other conditions. In the spring of 2020, the pandemic was fully underway. There were so many unknowns and I, for one, was pretty terrified if I'm being totally honest. To make matters worse, I had a really bad string of symptom flare-ups back-to-back over six weeks. I couldn't see my doctors, and I was too afraid to go to the hospital, where, honestly, endopatients are typically brushed off anyway. I started to lose my ability to walk, and I needed help to get up even a couple of steps most days. The chronic nausea I was experiencing was so bad, it was almost impossible to eat, and I started losing about five pounds a week. So here I was, not only trying to figure out how to feel better, but also wondering how in the hell I was going to live my life, let alone run a business or do any of the other things I've dreamed of doing if I could barely eat a meal or walk around my house. I was finally able to get in to see my doctors to get on a symptom management plan through medication, but that really just took care of such a small part of the battle. The rest came after a ton of research, community support, and the biggest part, self-discovery. I began tracking everything that I was feeling, both mentally and physically, day in and day out. Like, I'm talking every single thing. Every spike in energy, every drop in my mood, every pain that I felt. And it was around that same time that I came across this really interesting concept that was a turning point in creating a better quality of day-to-day life that I desperately needed. This concept talked about how similar the four phases of our hormonal cycle are to the four seasons that we experience in nature. Now, the four phases of our hormonal cycle are the menstrual phase, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. And these match up with winter, spring, summer, and fall. Though on a much shorter time frame because they're all happening in the span of a month rather than a full year. Just like the seasons in nature all bring their own temperatures, weather, and growth, Our hormonal cycles do too. And after a few months of tracking everything that I could about how I was feeling, I started to notice patterns that aligned directly with the different seasons of my cycle. So let's talk more about what these seasons typically look like. We're going to start with the very first week of your cycle, which is usually days one to seven. This is your winter season, and also known as your menstrual phase or the week of your period. When we go through the winter season outdoors, especially where I am in Canada, it's snowy and cold, the weather is gloomy, the trees are all bare, and it gets dark so early in the day. We spend a lot of time indoors wearing our most comfortable sweaters, snuggling up to stay warm, and let's be real, eating our favorite comfort foods because for some reason they just taste better in the winter. 
During the winter phase of your hormonal cycle, it's got a really similar vibe. Your hormone levels drop and leave you with a lot less energy. You might be dealing with things like cramps, headaches and migraines, or brain fog. You might be feeling a little more emotional or anxious than usual. You might even experience night sweats, hot flashes, and trouble sleeping. All of this on top of the actual bleeding aspect, which I'm sure most women and others who have had a period will all agree with me when I say it is literally never a fun time. It's a good week to focus on resting and recharging, taking things easy, and listening to what your body needs. If you're anything like me, that means snuggling up, eating my favorite snacks, and taking all the naps that I want guilt-free. Okay, well, like, all of my naps are guilt-free, and I take them all the time, but that's a different story. As a woman with endometriosis, taking my winter week slowly is basically non-negotiable. If I were to fill my winter week with meetings and appointments, I'd be setting myself up to have to cancel last minute all the time, and the stress and guilt that go along with that just isn't worth it. It is better for everyone if I just keep that week as open as possible. Instead, I like to work on tasks that don't require a lot of effort or mental energy. I do things like designing graphics in Canva and jotting down ideas and point form notes for future blog posts and podcast episodes. I will work on some client-facing work, but because the pain in my pelvis, back, and hips during my winter week makes it so hard to sit at my computer for hours on end, and the brain fog makes it really hard to focus for long periods of time, I break things up into smaller pieces, like calling smaller sessions or going through and cropping photos, but leaving the major editing for another day. And as it gets closer to day seven, I start to feel things shift as the next phase of my hormonal cycle gets closer. The spring season is what's next, and that typically happens during days eight to 14 of your cycle. This is your follicular phase, which is when an egg is maturing inside your ovary, but has not yet been released during ovulation. In nature, spring brings a time of renewal. The snow melts, the days get longer, flowers start blooming, and animals come out of hibernation. And similarly, our bodies start to go through that like coming out of hibernation feeling too. Thanks to a rise in estrogen, our energy levels increase, the brain fog starts to lift, and so does our moods. It's a really great time to embrace your creativity by pursuing new ideas or working on projects that require a lot of creative thinking. For me, spring also brings a bit of relief after the pain and discomfort that comes along with my winter week. I have to take a few days to deal with the mental weight that inevitably comes along with it. That's the side of things that I don't think gets talked about often enough. It's really hard to feel like your body is essentially spiraling out of control and that it's not acting the way that it should be. And to know that the best thing that you can do is just learn how to deal with it the best that you can in hopes that one day they will find a cure. It's not easy to explain and it's really not easy to deal with. But we do. We deal with it. I deal with it every month because I'm not going to let this stop me. So I give myself the space and the grace to process. I write in my gratitude journal and I come out the other side a few days later ready to take full advantage of the relatively good days that I have ahead. I use the time to catch up on any work that I might have missed and I get back to working on those bigger projects that I just didn't have the capacity for during my winter week. And that's when we start heading into summer, which is our third season and usually happens around days 15 to 21 of your cycle. This is your ovulatory phase or ovulation when your body is physically releasing an egg from your ovaries for its adventure through your fallopian tubes and into your uterus. I feel like I should have like played some really epic movie theme song in the background as I said that. 
Summer in nature brings long days, beautiful weather, and lots of social events and reasons to adventure. As part of your cycle, your summer season is the time of the month where you're really just feeling good. It's the perfect time to be really social and also a perfect time to embrace your sexuality. Our estrogen levels are at their peak and this surge in hormones leans towards the enjoyable side of the scale, unlike during the winter season when they're leaving you feeling like a lot of negative emotions instead. On the business side of things, it's a great time to take advantage of the energy and mental clarity that you're feeling. It's time to fill up that calendar with things like meetings and sessions and collaborative projects and networking. For me, the beginning of my summer week comes with a lot of the same physical symptoms that I experienced during my winter week. Things like cramps, pain in my ovaries, and even in my chest, back, and shoulders all happen for a second time when I ovulate. But there are two major differences. One, it doesn't last as long. And two, it doesn't bring that same level of brain fog. I can usually bring my laptop to the couch and snuggle up with my heating pad, but still get a full day of work in. Now, after I'm finished ovulating and the pain and other symptoms start to subside to a more manageable level, I'm usually mentally in a much better place afterward than when my winter season ends, and I can typically bounce back a lot faster and take advantage of those last few days of my summer season. It's the time of the month where I also get really flexible with my boundaries around work hours. So typically, I have a rule to not work in my office or on my laptop after dinner. Things like engagement sessions and wedding consultations are a slight exception because sometimes they just have to happen in the evening, but for the most part, I try to shut it all down once it's time to eat. There was a day last month, though, right at the end of my spring week where I was feeling really good. My pain levels had been really low all day and I had so much mental clarity. I was feeling inspired to tackle some projects that I'd been working on for a while. I'd had such a productive day and then I shut everything down to eat dinner. Around 7 p.m. though, I decided to hop back onto my laptop and keep working. I'd looked at my calendar and I noticed that I was supposed to ovulate over the next couple days, so I gave myself permission to ride out this wave of energy that I was having. Over the next few hours, I built out an entire email nurture sequence in Flowdesk, I designed an 8-page PDF in Canva, and I drafted a bunch of reels. It felt so good. But then sure enough, I woke up the next morning and my pain levels were about 9 out of 10, and it stayed that way for the next three days. I was what I like to call a puddle on my couch. Just a pile of a human laying down with my heating pad and snacks and water were all within arm's reach so that I didn't have to get up. I had a watch list on Netflix full of mindless romantic comedies to get lost in until I felt better, and not a single bit of work was done over those three days. After it was over, I eased back into work and I was even more thankful that I had taken advantage of that late night burst of creativity I had a few days before. If you missed episode 10 of the podcast, you should definitely go back and give that a listen after you finish this one. My friend Sarana joined me for an interview and we talked all about taking an intuitive approach to building systems and processes within your business to create a flexible structure in your day-to-day. This is a prime example of that. By recognizing patterns in the way that my body reacts throughout each part of my hormonal cycle, I'm able to navigate around it so much better and can adjust my schedule to accommodate my needs at any given time. Okay, so we still have one phase or season that we haven't talked about. Last but not least, we have fall. This is what's known as your luteal phase, and it happens around days 22 to 28 of your cycle, which is also the last week. 
During the luteal phase, your progesterone levels are increasing, which is another type of hormone that naturally occurs within people who are assigned female at birth. Progesterone helps your uterus prepare for implantation of a fertilized egg or getting pregnant. If implantation doesn't happen and you don't get pregnant, your progesterone levels, along with all the rest of your hormones, are going to drop the following week when you get your period. That's what leaves you feeling so sluggish and like you have absolutely no energy. Now, in nature, fall is the season of change. It's when things start to slow down after summer comes to an end, the days gradually get shorter, the temperatures start to get cooler, the leaves change color... Endless days outside in the summer sun are traded for early nights at home instead. And during this last phase of your monthly hormonal cycle, I'm sure you've guessed by now, you can expect a lot of the same. It's a good time to wrap up any major projects and get ahead on any small tasks that you can in preparation for your winter week ahead. During my fall season, my internal system acts like there's impending doom around every corner and you know, it's not wrong. (laughs) At the beginning of the week, I try to do a lot of prep work because I know that days are coming when my winter week arrives that are going to have me feeling like a puddle on my couch again. Now, if you want to dive into these seasons even further, there is so much information out there that talks about things like the different types of foods that are really beneficial to eat at different times of your cycle, and even different types of exercises that will support you through each phase as well. If I'm being totally honest, one of my favorite places to go dive into all of this is on Pinterest. There are so many helpful infographics there that break things down into each of the four phases, and I find it so interesting to learn about. But now that we've gone through all of these seasons, now what? How do you get started using every up and down that you experience each month to your advantage? Well, I've talked about it a lot this episode, but you need to start with tracking. You can start that today, even if you don't know exactly where you are in your cycle right now. Just start doing a daily check-in with yourself, and whether it's in an actual notebook or just a note in your phone, write down how you're feeling. If you felt any physical symptoms, if you felt really energetic or really sluggish, how well you slept, if you had a hard time concentrating, or if you had one of those light bulb moments where everything was just so clear. And most importantly, make sure you write down when your next period starts and how long it lasts, because that's going to help you determine not only how long your cycle is, but what day one is, which is super important. And not everyone falls within the 28 day time frame like I do. So that information is going to be key. After a few months, you'll start to notice patterns, and once you do, I highly recommend putting it all into your monthly calendar. I'm a Google Calendar user. I have separate calendars within my account for things like appointments, when my bills are due, personal events and birthdays, and I also have a calendar that I call Seasons. Each season, so winter, spring, summer, and fall, is scheduled in a seven-day block every 28 days. I also include two other things. I include peak days and pit days. Peak days are days when I feel really good, like significantly better than an average day. And pit days, well, they're the opposite. It's when I feel like absolute shit, I mark it on my calendar as a pit day. And I cannot tell you how much this helps me with scheduling. Remember earlier in the episode when I said I realized that I would be ovulating, so I decided to take advantage of some late night work hours? It's because I had those pit days marked on my calendar. Earlier this year, I had some really bad days so I wrote them down. And then the following month, the bad days were back, so I wrote them down again. When it happened a third time, I realized that it was happening every 28 days. I also use a period tracking app on my phone, and these bad days lined up with the days of when I said it was ovulating, so it made total sense. 
And now these dates have a permanent home on my calendar. So I know don't schedule anything on those pit days unless it's an absolute emergency. Now, if you're not a menstruator, but you've gotten this far in the episode, hi friend, I honestly want to give you props for taking the time to learn about a topic that doesn't apply to you because I truly do believe that every single person should be learning about menstruation and hormonal cycles, not just young female presenting kids who will likely experience it one day. I know so many people can relate when I say to you that if you live with endo, you get really passionate about periods. We just can't help it. But again, I know I've said this a few times this episode, but that's for another day. The last part I want to share is applicable no matter who you are. So menstruators and non-menstruators alike. Another way I work within my energy cycles is simply by giving myself permission to do things differently in a way that works for me and no one else. What that looks like in my regular day-to-day life is popping on my computer immediately after I wake up. On the average day, I wake up around 6am and I'm on my computer getting to work by about 6.30. I use scheduling features in Gmail and HoneyBook that allow me to respond to emails but schedule them to send out after 9am, which is when my client-facing office hours begin. I also start tackling my to-do list and I typically get more done by 11am than I will for the rest of the day. I then have lunch around 11, I take a couple hours off to nap, scroll my phone, watch TV, run some errands. I do this because I know that every day in the afternoon, my energy levels are at their absolute bare minimum. So in the times that I used to try and force myself to work during that time, not only was I struggling, the work I was getting done wasn't to the best of my abilities, and it just was creating more health problems in the long run. So I started giving myself permission to just take that time off in the afternoon. I'll head back into my office around two or three for a few more hours of work, and then when my husband gets home, we have dinner together and I'm done for the day. I remember a time when I used to believe that if I was awake, I needed to be working. It's such an unhealthy mindset that we have a capitalist society to thank for creating. I mean, from the very first job I ever had, which was like, oh God, like 20 years ago, uh, that just made me feel so old. Um, But I can remember my bosses telling my coworkers and I, like, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Do any of you ever remember hearing that when you were working your first jobs? As an adult, I understand the sentiment behind it, but it's just one of a million things that has led us to where we are today, with so many people feeling like their worth as a human is entirely dependent on their contribution to the workforce. And honestly, it is just so not true. You are worthy as a human just for existing, just for being on this earth. And if you have time to lean, that's awesome because people need to rest. (laughs) If you're working 16 hour days, seven days a week, like I used to, because I felt like I was doing something wrong by watching TV while I ate lunch, you're very likely going to end up in the same place that I did, which was burnt out with my mental health crumbling around me. When I started working within my own energy cycles, it helped me stop listening to all the noise of people who live in that hustle culture mindset. I realized that I could build my workday to look how I wanted and needed it to and still be just as successful, potentially even more so. I could also be a happier and healthier person along the way too because it is possible to have both. Above all else, if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this episode, it's giving yourself permission to be as you are and to cater to your own needs. Whether you're navigating a chronic illness like I am, or if you're a parent or a caregiver, or you just have a lot on your plate right now, 
Taking care of yourself and your own needs is how you continue to show up as the best version of yourself for all the people in your life that rely on you personally and professionally. No matter what anyone tells you, taking care of yourself is the least selfish thing that you can do. If taking a few days off a month in relation to your cycle means that you can show up as 100% the rest of the time instead of showing up as 50% the entire time, it's so worth it. So friend, go grab that notebook or open up a note on your phone and start tracking today. By the time the new year gets here, you'll have a much clearer picture of how your body works and functions day to day, week to week, and month to month, and you'll be able to use that information in your planning to make 2023 the absolute best year that it can be. Thanks so much for listening to Keeping It Candid, Wedding Photography Unfiltered with Sandra Henderson. You can find full show notes from today's episode at simplysandraevonca forward slash keeping it candid. In the meantime, let's connect. You can find me on Instagram at simplysandraevonca and on Facebook in the Wedding Photography Unfiltered community. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so honored if you'd go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a review. Until next time.